Section 35 of Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. A Blasted Snore by Bill Nye sleep under favorable circumstances is a great boon sleep if natural and undisturbed is surely as useful as any other scientific discovery sleep whether administered at home or abroad under the soporific influences of an underpaid preacher or the unyielding wooden cellar door that is used as a blanket in the sleeping car is a harmless dissipation and a cheerful relaxation let me study a man for the first hour after he has wakened and I will judge him more correctly than I would to watch him all winter in the legislature. We think we are pretty well acquainted with our friends, but we are not thoroughly conversant with their peculiarities until we have seen them wake up in the morning. I have often looked at the men I meet and thought what a shock it must be to the wives of some of them to wake up and see their husbands before they have had time to prepare, and while their minds are still chaotic. The first glimpse of a large fat man whose brain has drooped down behind his ears, and whose wheezy breath wanders around through the catacombs of his head, and then emerges from his nostrils with a shrill snort like a yelp of the damned, must be a charming picture for the eye of a delicate and beautiful second wife, one who loves to look on green meadows and glorious landscapes, who has always wakened with a song and a ripple of laughter that fell on her father's heart like shower of sunshine in the somber green of the valley. It is a pet theory of mine that to be pleasantly wakened is half the battle for the day. If we could be wakened by the refrain of a joyous song, instead of having our front teeth knocked out by one of those patent pillow sham holders that sit up on their hind feet at the head of the bed until we dream that we are just about to enter paradise and have just passed our competitive examination, and which then swoop down and mash us ac across the bridge of the nose there would be less insanity in our land and death would be regarded more in the light of a calamity when you waken a child do it in a pleasant way do not take him by the ear and pull him out of bed it is disagreeable for the child and injures the general to ensemble of the ear where children go to sleep with tears on their cheeks and are wakened by the yowl of dyspeptic parents they have a pretty good excuse for crime in after years if i sat on the bench in such cases I would mitigate the sentence. It is genuine pleasure for me to wake up a good-natured child in a good-natured way. Surely it is better from those dimpled lids to chase the sleep with a caress than to knock out slumber with a harsh word and a bed slat. No one should be suddenly wakened from a sound sleep. A sudden awaking reverses the magnetic currents and makes the hair pull, to borrow an expression from Dante. The awaking should be natural, gradual, and deliberate. A sad thing occurred last summer on an Omaha train. It was a very warm day, and in the smoking car a fat man, with a magenta fringe of whiskers over his Adam's apple, and a light ecru lambrequin of real camel's hair around the suburbs of his head, might have been discovered. He could have opened his mouth wider, perhaps, but not without injuring the mainspring of his neck and turning his epiglottis out of doors. He was asleep. 
he was not only slumbering but he was putting the earnestness and passionate devotion of his whole being into it his shiny oilcloth grip with the roguish tip of a discarded collar just peeping out of the side was up in the iron wall pocket of the car he also had in the seat with him a market basket full of misfit lunch and a two-bushel bag containing extra apparel on the floor he had a crock of butter with a copy of the punkville palladium and stock growers guardian over the top he slumbered on in a rambling sort of way snoring all the time in monosyllables except when he erroneously swallowed his tonsils and then he would struggle a while and get black in the face while the passengers vainly hoped that he had strangled while he was thus slumbering with all the eloquence and enthusiasm of a man in the full meridian of life the train stopped with a lurch and the brakeman touched his shoulder here's your town he said we only stop a minute you'll have to hustle the man who had been far away wrestling with morpheus had removed his hat coat and boots and when he awoke his feet absolutely refused to go back into the same quarters at first he looked around reproachfully at the people in the car then he reached up and got his oilcloth grip from the bracket the bag was tied together with a string and as he took it down the string untied then we all discovered that this man had been on the road for a long time with no object apparently except to evade laundries all kinds of articles fell out in the aisle i remember seeing a chest protector and a linen coat a slab of seal-brown gingerbread and a pair of stoga boots a hairbrush and bologna sausage a plug of tobacco and a porous plaster he gathered up what he could in both arms made two trips to the door and threw out all he could tried again to put his number eleven feet into his number nine boots gave it up and socked himself out of the car as it began to move while the brakeman bombarded him through the window for two miles with personal property groceries dry goods boots and shoes gents's furnishing goods hardware notions bric-a-brac red herrings clothing doughnuts vinegar bitters and facetious remarks then he picked up the retired snorer's railroad check from the seat and i heard him say why dog on it that wasn't his town after all end of section forty nine